Hey there, No Labels, No Limits podcast listeners. Today, I have a great guest for you. This is Matt Ward. Matt is a speaker, author, and CEO. He's coming to us from Massachusetts area. Um, He says that telling me where he lives would get us all like wondering where the heck that is. So we're just going to go with outside of the Boston area. And Matt is an author of more, word of mouth for more referrals. And he's got a trust bank account. And I'm going to ask him to tell you what the heck that means. But let me tell you something really interesting about Matt that I'm hoping he'll get into a little more with us today. And he is the youngest of three boys. He is the first to go to high school and the only one not to go to prison. So Matt, with that as an intro to many facets of Matt Ward, could you do a little deeper introduction of yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on, Sarah. I, I am greatly appreciated. I, I love having conversations. I'm a relationship builder and I'm all about connecting with people. In fact, I've been known for many years as a connector. So I built a, a website agency and ran it for 16 years. And in early 2018, I sold that. And now I travel the country as a speaker, speaking about how to get more word of mouth referrals in your business and also in hiring and those types of things. Bottom line, it's about building connections and relationships. And I realized early on that that was my model for selling. I was a networker at the core. I didn't like cold calling. So I would go out, find networking groups, build relationships with people, maintain those relationships over a long period of time. And I I just grew them. And I think... What got me to that, you know, that's a long-term play, Sarah. That's relationship building. It's just, it takes a long time. And people are always looking for that, the fruit that bears off the tree. You know, how quickly can I make that sale? How quickly can I get a return on my investment? How quickly can I see uh, results from the change I'm making, right? And a lot of those things don't come right away. They take a long time. And I think it's just... uh the background in me, my pedigree that has figured out how to, uh, how to make things work in life. You know, so many different setbacks, so many challenges, and I never let anything get me down. I might have a bad day or a bad hour, but I'm going to turn that around and pursue what I'm going after. So let's get specific. Let's, you know, when we talked a little bit before you, you know, because our podcast targets folks um, who are really in transition, either they're coming out of something big or they may have been where you were when you sold your company and you're starting something different. You mentioned that you'd had a number of different um, transitions throughout your life. And sure. I think it's really helpful to get specific about, okay, where where were you, whether it's this example or something else, where were you? What kind of a transition was it? Was it like a professional or personal kind of transition. And then let's talk about kind of how did you navigate that? Because if you say you never let it stop you, it's really the thing of like, how'd that happen? So we could go back to my early childhood when my dad left, right? And we were three boys with a single mom and I was the youngest. And so what does that mean? That means I got beat up on all the time and I had to get out of situations like that. And I think that's where that grit and persistence started, right? And so um, I was lucky enough to attend a tuition-free boarding school in Hershey, Pennsylvania, founded by the guy that created the chocolate bar, Milton Hershey himself. It's called Milton Hershey School. And over 10,000 kids have graduated from that school. And I went to that school, and that's, that's why I was able to graduate. 
right, from high school where my other two brothers did not. And what that school taught me was a lot of different things. But one thing it taught me was effort. You got to put the effort in. And so when I graduated from there, I went to college and I literally like failed. I wanted to go to school for hotel restaurant management, but I didn't want to be in debt. So I went to community college and, uh, and I failed broccoli and cheese sauce class. Like I cannot cook Sarah. I am a microwave millionaire, like a microwave magician. Like you give me a microwave and I am killing it. But just cooking, I am the most impatient man in the world when it comes to cooking and probably anything else. And so I failed that and I'm like, okay, now what? Now what do I do? So I literally started scrapping together jobs to kind of make a living because I was living on my own and uh, struggled. I was on the struggle bus like everybody else. Justin Lafley talks about that. And, and I just think that like, I just always kept my head up. Things would happen all the time. When you least expect it, you're dirt poor, living paycheck to paycheck, eating ramen noodles, spaghetti, things that could last a long period of time, chicken soup and whatever. And then you get a parking ticket. And it's like, oh my goodness. And I just don't let that stuff... Yeah, I have a bad minute, moment, hour, day. But I know that tomorrow's going to be a different day and I just would not let whatever I wanted go. The caveat was I didn't always know, like I didn't know I wanted to be a speaker. I didn't know I wanted to have a web company previously. I didn't know necessarily what my passion was or any of that stuff. But it's what I was driving forward then, right? I want to be the best I could possibly be at whatever I was doing. So when I worked for FedEx, I was getting these letters called, they called them Bravo Zulus, which were like awards, you know, team recognition awards. And I was like one of a few people to get one in the entire Dulles airport, which is where I was working at the time. But in 1997, I sold my car on the street for $50 to Washington, D.C., and that's all I had in my pocket. And I moved to Massachusetts and started over. And the job I had waiting for me wasn't the same job that was offered to me. It was less pay, no benefits, not even full-time, and all those other things were promised to me. So what did I do? I just started contacting people who I was meeting and saying, do you know of any job available? And I took a job in a mailroom at an insurance company. Worked second shift, and I worked my way up into their IT department. And you know, it's just one month, six months, one year at a time, right? And you're just looking at the next target, the next obstacle that you need to get over. And I think for your listeners, that's the big takeaway. Like you, we call we can call them goals, we can call them whatever we want, we can call them life plans. I don't care what you call them, but know what your next step is you're going for. I don't care if it's just a small step or it's a really big one in your mind. But if you're looking at it, then there should be nothing that gets in your way of getting it. And it should, it certainly should be, you know, smart goals, those achievable things and everything like that. I mean, if I come on your podcast and I say, I want to do a hundred speaking gigs this year, that's not realistic. It's not going to happen. Right. But my goal is to do 24 this year as a full-time speaker. So how do we, you know, how do we figure that out? And how do we go after that? Well, we break it up. We chunk it up into the smaller bits, smaller things. And then we start working on how do we get, in my case, how do I get the gigs, right? I I, got to come at them from different ways. I got to cold call people, cold email people. I got to go through friends. You know, I got to ask people questions. 
And when you ask, it opens Pandora's box. Let's talk about that a little bit because you, I want to just reflect back on some of the things you said that I thought were really pretty powerful. And this is what I've noticed with people when it be, when it's part of who you are and how you show up. I think sometimes people say things and they don't recognize how important what they just said is, or it's like, we're talking about the next thing. So first of all, let me point out the irony that you said that you failed class. You were really impatient. And yet you started our podcast by talking about networking and that it's a long-term gig, right? Yeah. You have to have the long view on it. So here's this kid who's too impatient, right? Has his broccoli and cheese fail and then moves on to having a huge network and getting referrals that have sustained a IT company, right? Mm -hmm. So first of all, I just want to remind listeners that it is a long-term game, a game. An overnight success is really a lie, just saying. But Matt, when you talked about keep, you know, like whatever your goal is or whatever you label your goal, whether it's a goal or objective, whatever, you've got to keep going towards that and look at it, keep your eye on that all the time. Do you like have, do you look at that like daily, weekly, or when opportunities come up, do you use that goal to filter in or out and say, it's not getting me to my 24 gigs this year? So how do you use that? Because I think that's where people struggle sometimes. Yeah. And just for the listeners, um, yeah, I'm no different. I actually don't use it enough. And like I should, and like good goal setting coaches talk about, I don't post it on the wall. I don't write it every day. I don't look at it every day. I know it's here in my head that that's my goal. The one thing I will do is when I have conversations, I bring it up and speak it. It makes it real and it makes it accountable. So that's one way I do it. Do I look at things and revisit? Is this helping me get to my goal? No. And I should. But my biggest problem as an entrepreneur and just to be perfectly frank, as a person, is this huge, shiny object that's always in front of my face. There is something else coming along today that's going to be like, oh, look at this, a little puppy. And it's just going to take my attention away. And I have learned to realize that while, you know, as entrepreneurs, we're part-time, we work only uh, 12 hours a day, right? I need to allow myself four to six hours out of that 12 hour day to literally do stuff that's not productive. Because then what happens is I, it, my brain clicks and it goes, oh, I haven't been productive. Zone in. And it just zones in. And then I rattle off a whole series of things. And then when I'm done, I go, man, oh man, what could I have gotten done today if I just did that all day? Like, and I've always felt that I was somebody else's worst employee. It's amazing to me that I, that I lasted as long as I did. And actually, the funny thing is when I sold my company, I sold it to my longest tenured employee who's with me 11 years. And I looked at him and I said, wow, uh, 16 years owning this company. That's the longest I've ever worked for anyone. And I was working for myself. So I know that that's a challenge. And I think I just put, I'm just the type of person that will put in more hours to ensure that I reach my goals. And I, I was having a conversation, Sarah, earlier this week with somebody, somebody got referred to me and they said, so I have this friend, Scott, and he's in Louisiana and he was talking to a lady in Boston 
about something, her job or where she wanted to go. And he says, he looked her up on LinkedIn and he had one mutual connection and it was me. And he says, oh, you know what? You need to call Matt Ward. Because not only does he know everybody, but you're up his way. So she calls me and we're talking and she's talking about what she could do or what. And, and finally I said to her, I said, I had no idea why I was on the phone with her. And I said, how can I help you? This was after about 25 minutes, right? Of just listening. And I said, how can I help you? And she says, well, I don't really know. I think I want to be like a grant writer. And she's like, but I can't quit my job. I said, so when your child goes to sleep at nine or nine 30 or 10 o'clock, go write grants for three hours. And you, I could just hear the hesitation in her voice. And I said to her, you know, this is what I did. Like I worked a job, came home, coached youth football. And then when I got home from that at like eight or nine o'clock, I would work until three in the morning on a website company, building up my website company part-time until I could take it full-time. Like that wasn't even an option to not do that. And so, because to me, I had a deadline. So when the deadline is approaching, there's no, there's no option. It's when the deadline's not there. Because right now she doesn't know where the deadline is. Maybe that's the issue. Could be. And, and maybe she doesn't want to do it that much. I, it's very possible that she's like a lot of people that want the answers and the results, but don't want to put in the work. I mean, they, somebody wrote a book or there was a study or something that's called the 10,000 hour thing. And it's like, you got to put in 10,000 hours before you make any money doing something. It's also or, at the point at which you have some confidence in your expertise, right? Yeah. So. Well, that's, you know, that's the funny thing. Like in the speaking world, they talk about how the difference in speakers that get paid a lot of money and those that don't really isn't talent. It's the fact that they feel like they belong and they can do the job. And most people say, well, I can't be a speaker. I can't speak in front of a thousand people. You know, if you sit up in front of a thousand people, you wouldn't even see them because the lights are on you. You don't even see them. You're lucky to see the front row. So it's not, it's not, people say they're afraid to speak, but I think it's more that they're afraid of being rejected, their idea being rejected. That's a big one. I mean, I think it comes down to that risk of failure or to some expect, some folks that's a scare being, I've just reverted to eight. I'm a scared um, (laughs) to being afraid of succeeding as well, because then you're different than you were before, not better, just different. And then Mm -hmm. there's a whole host of transition issues around that. Yeah. And I mean, you so, you know, you talk about these transitions and I, I had them when I was younger. I had them when I was 27 and I moved to Massachusetts. I had them when I sold my agency and people think it's easy. Oh, he can go do that now because he cashed out. Well, that's not how you sell a business. That's not how things work. And so there's a lot of assumptions made that like, oh, I cashed out. So I don't really have to work. No, like, like I have to work. Like this is, this is my job. This is what I do. And I do this every day. But when I talk to other people in this industry, they'll talk about how they're sending out three or four or five inquiries a week. We send out a hundred. That's our goal. And like we can, we're getting, we get a lot of no's, you know, but that's just part of the process. And that's okay. You got to be okay with that. I think it was IBM did a study. This is not a, it's not a tangent. It goes back to what you said. Folks who know me know I'll go left on you and leave you in the dirt. 
But they did a study and I was speaking with a woman who um, actually worked for them in the early, late 80s, early 90s. And she was selling and she's not, that's not her thing. She's, she is not a salesperson. And if you ever met her, you would not think she was a salesperson. But she said, I learned the most valuable lessons. And I changed how I thought about it because I would like reach out, nothing would happen. And I would get so discouraged. And finally, someone told me, they said, you are thinking about this wrong. Every time someone says no to you, you are that much closer to a yes, because you're going to get five guaranteed no's, probably 10 before a yes. So if you don't get those no's, you're, you're nowhere. So we interviewed somebody on my podcast who wrote a book called Go For No. And Andrea Waltz. And it's such a great concept, right? And um, so that's the approach. The other thing that happens is, you know, we were talking about grit and persistence and the things that kind of get you through the transition that gets you through the sales process too. So what normally happens is most people stop following up on things two or three times in. They'll send one, they'll send two, maybe they'll send a third. It's consistency. The first chapter I wrote in my book was the number one rule is stay in touch. Right. So if you build relationships that matter, right, that you are making deposits in that trust bank account, yeah, right? Let's talk about your big trust bank account. <laughs> well, so if you give and give and give and give and you never take a withdrawal, you have a trust bank account. Right. And so then it's time to effectively write a check. So when do you write the check? When you transition, because that's when you can call everybody and say, listen, this is what I'm doing now. I'd love to tell you about it. It's not a sales pitch. I just want to keep you updated. And when you tell them about it, they support you in any way possible. See, here's the thing about the entire concept of the book and the speech. Word of mouth referrals are the hardest thing for people to get in a predictable way, right? For anything, whether it's for a new job or whether it's for a business. The reality is, is that people do business with who they know, like, and trust. And I believe that people do business with who they know, like, trust, and care about. Because if you care about them, they will care about you. They don't want... Look, you're paying attention to them, Sarah, so they don't want you to go away because you're the only person paying attention to them. Like, business isn't that way. And so when you pay attention to other people, you stand out. And so when you're ready to make this transition, and if you're thinking, if you, the listener right now are thinking about making a transition, you want to invest in other people. So for you, the listener, if you're thinking about making a transition, the best thing you can do right now is start investing in other people. Just invest in other people. And how do you do that? You do that with your time and your attention. You show up in their lives. You write handwritten cards to them. You're building a runway for you to take off. And when you do that, they'll all be there to support you when you take off. This trust bank account is so powerful that I built one over the years with my website agency. And then when I sold it, people were there for me. So I just booked a gig in Las Vegas because... One of my relationships is on the advisory board for the organization that runs the gig. And when I made the transition, I went through LinkedIn, connected with everybody and said, hey, let's do a catch-up call. I'd love to know more about what you're doing. I'd love to share what I'm doing. I share what I'm doing and they go, huh, I know somebody that could use that. That's how that works. 
They want to support you. Why? Because you showed up in their life when no one else did, and they don't want you to fail. That's why word of mouth referrals come from caring. It's a byproduct of it. And when you care about other people, you yourself are a more joyful person. It's just fun to work every day. It is fun. You kind of start thinking about, hey, I wonder how so-and-so is doing because I just met someone they would love to know. Yeah. And I mean, I got an email today from a guy that I actually didn't even think he was in the industry anymore because he had left the company I knew. And he was in business-to-business cable internet sales. He was working for a company, left them, and I got an email from him. He tracked me down. And he says, oh, big time. You sold your company, blah, 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 blah. I immediately called him because his cell phone was on there. Notice I did not reply to the email. I called him on the phone. And he answered. We had a brief back and forth, cutting on each other like we like to do. And then I said, hey, we both like to eat. I'm a big guy if you haven't seen me. We both like to eat. Let's go eat. Like, let's get together. Let's break bread. Let's have fun. And that guy has referred me numerous things before. And he's referred me for the wrong things, by the way, things I don't even do because he thinks I do those things because we don't really talk about what I do. We talk about him. We talk about other things. He, I know that he loves boating and he's like a repositioning captain. So you can hire him to reposition like your yacht and stuff. And so he'll bring a crew in and that's what he does on his vacation days. And these are the things you have to know about people when you get into conversations and they go into your brain and and that's how you connect with people on a much deeper level. You got to do it so that there's nothing in it for you. You got to do it because you truly want to care. So now I have a a kind of a question to follow up on that, Matt. And when you have this network and it grows and grows over time, how do you keep track of everybody? Yeah, it's brutal. Like there's no great perfect system for it. So right now I use the free HubSpot CRM system. It works well. It allows you to assign a task to yourself. And so what I do is I remind myself to check in with X person in 30 days or whatever. You can't, when your network is so big, you can't care about everyone to that level. But you can care about them when they show up in your life, like when Bob emailed me, right? I can connect with him and go deeper at that moment. The thing is, you have to be a little picky when it comes to who you connect with on a super deep level. And so I ask people when they're starting this process to choose just up to six people, that's it, and start working those relationships, sending them cards, checking in with them, and make sure that it's people that, that they pass this test, the simple question. If I'm going to a wedding, would I invite them as a guest? (laughs) Right? Like you want to be able to hang out with these people. These are people, the type of people that you truly want to care about. Because even if they don't ever give you business, your, your life will be so much more rewarding with them in it, right? I call it the high five effect, Sarah, where you can literally walk down the hallway in an office and high five your clients. Like no one does that. But I do that with my clients. It's just fun. And, um, you know, I just think, so you start with six. And once you get those six down for about six weeks or so and you feel comfortable, now you can start doing some other things where you can start reaching out. If you can use, there's a really cool, if you use Gmail, there's a really cool tool, free tool called Boomerang. 
And what you can do with Boomerang is you can set up like scheduled emails to go out and you, it will also like remind you that you haven't heard back from that person. So it like, it's like nudging you to stay in touch. So, so a couple little tools there, but the reality is you just, just pay attention, pay attention. Can I ask you to go back and share? I want to go back to the things people would be surprised to know about you. Um, because I want to know how it is that you're the only one who hasn't gone to prison in your family. Without getting too deep into why either one went to prison, I can just say I learned from those lessons. I will tell you that in 1995, uh, my middle brother stole my identity. Now, I wasn't anybody then. I'm still probably not anybody. Although, if you ask some of my friends, I'm somebody. I think now would have been a better time to steal my identity. <laughs> but uh, he did it then, and, and, uh, and, and he got caught. You know, and so he served some time for it. And uh, so the thing is, it's like you look at that and what was leading up to that, the choices that people were making that those those two guys made, it just there were choices that just didn't seem right. And I think I think we know that. I'm sure we all made choices that just didn't seem right as we were growing up. I'm no different. I don't want to open up that Pandora's box. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we grow as people. I'm sure, I'm sure that um, he's doing well. I wouldn't know, though. Yeah. I'm not interested in getting my wallet anywhere near that. <laughs> did, did that change you in any way, I, for better or worse? Did that have an effect on how you interacted with other people or lessons you took away from it? It had a, it had a, had a very interesting interesting relationship with how I deal with people who I feel like don't respect my time or me as a person. So there are a couple of things that really, really irk me. And, and uh, one of them is, is people being late. I just think it's incredibly rude to the person waiting. Now there's always something that happens. So like, there's always, things that come up in people's lives. And I think that's just a simple phone call or an email, a text message, however you can communicate it. It's the lack of communication and then being late that comes across to me as though my time is uh, way less valuable than the individual's time. And so I, what that lesson taught me specifically was how to separate things. And so I, I'm able to separate those things. It might sound callous, but like my family isn't particularly the one that gets around the table at Thanksgiving, right? And if we do, we'd probably all not bring our wallets. I don't know. <laughs> has that, so the ability to separate, has that helped you when you've had setbacks to be yeah, to say it, that's that, but not me? Well, I don't know if it's necessarily, that. it might be that. I think we might. I don't know. Maybe we're in a coaching session here, but no, no, this is great. So here's the thing. What it did was it allowed me to understand who supports me and who doesn't. And so the people that don't support me, I'm okay with that. I'm just moving on because here's the thing. What's the number 300 million people in this world? Something like that. There's more. Yeah. More. Yeah. 
How many? There's a bunch to choose from. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And, and, and you know, here's, I've learned, I learned something from a good friend of mine, Tamsin Webster, who's a speaker as well. She talks about, you got to know who you're for and who's for you. And she also says that the talk is for everyone. The message is for the individual. And so for me, I understand who I'm for and who is for me. And I'm okay. Like, I'm okay in a speech with somebody leaving the room. Like before that would totally bother me. I'm like, Oh no, you don't like my talk. Now I'm like, good. You just thinned the herd. Like I got more clarity on who's for me. That's why when, when people unsubscribe from email newsletter, I'm good. Cause it's clear in my list. Right. And so I think that's what that taught me was, okay, you just unsubscribe from my life. I'm good with that. And they didn't know that they unsubscribed per se, but I just hit the opt out button in 1995 because I don't, I, I, I don't like to, and, and that was the start of me saying no negativity allowed. I just don't want that. Not that it hasn't happened and that I haven't been my own inner critic problem many times, but the reality is I think that we have to limit how much negative influence we have in our lives. And there's Jim Rome said, you are the equal of the five, five people around you, the average of those people. And I surround myself with amazing, amazing people. And that helps in transition. Like who are you going to call? Are you going to call somebody that would do you harm of just because they're family or a so-called friend? I mean, I have a friend who whose friends always make appointments and then always cancel. And I just keep going, why are you, why are you even their friend? Like, how do you define friend? And so for me, they just wouldn't be my friend. Um, make your, I'm taking you to the wedding list for sure. No, no. Like, yeah, no. That's a great no. filter question, right? Yeah. Bringing a guest to a wedding. You actually know that the host or the wedding party is looking at you. And if you bring someone who is a pain, yeah, a pain, let's just say it causes a scene, causes yeah, a scene, drama, it's a reflection on you. Hashtag no drama, not <laughs> no drama, no lies. Yeah, I just can't like I don't why surround ourselves with people like that. Instead, let's lift ourselves up and start surrounding us with people that truly support us in many different ways and are willing to show up. You know, when you start surrounding yourself with people and reaching out to people to care about people, you will find that there are people that don't want to be cared about and don't want to care about you. And when you get that, you need to be okay with that. You need to try and break through if it's somebody you really want to have a relationship with. But there are a number of people that I deeply respect and have tried numerous times and I don't respect them as much because I'm like, how on earth are you in business? Like you can't, I get no emails back. I get no phone calls back. I get no, t- and I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, if I don't get those responses, then my referral I send to you will not either. Right. So, you know, you are, you are how you act every day. And I think that's important that as you're transitioning, like if you, if you have a setback, let's say you get laid off, right? And now you have a transition right? Because you're moving to something else. Are you going to be negative about that? Or are you going to be positive? Because if you're negative and you're trying to cash in that trust bank account, there's not, the reward isn't there for people to support you. But if you come up with something great and you're passionate about it and you got a, and you got a smile on your face when you're talking to them and you're really excited and they can hear it in your voice, they're going to support you. 
And I'm not talking about financially. I'm talking about mentally, emotionally, sometimes physically being in your presence and raising your spirits. That's what you need to move this forward. And it's all about attitude and mindset and those types of things that really keep this thing moving forward. I have people in my life, Sarah, that know when I get down. Yeah, I'm not perfect. I have bad days like everybody else. I have to, when I get down and quiet or frustrated or upset about something, I, I go, I go introvert, right? I want to be alone. And people in my life recognize that and they come to my aid, right? They come and they, they get me to talk about things and move on from that. Because for me, that thing will resonate in the back of my head for a long time. And I'll be telling not just stories about youngest of three boys, but well, the time at the mall when the kid didn't show up and I never talked to him again, right? And the time of this and the time of that, right? There's a story for everything. And we don't want to paint our lives with that brush because then no one will support us. You know, they just don't want to be around people like that because now you're the negative Nelly. Well, and the story is just that. It's a story. You can change it. And there's multiple sides to it. That's the other thing they're going to say. Well, there's, there's three sides to this story. Yours, theirs, and the truth. Which is sometimes not even close. Yeah, this is true. I learned that from um, my husband who is in law enforcement. And I would just say, I can't believe this. And he goes, well, what you do know is you don't know everything. You know, and he would say that about people, our friends who maybe they got separated. And I go, I can't believe that happened. And he goes, we don't actually know what happened. Let's remember, we don't know. It's a story. And I, man, I'm thinking, I wonder what I do to myself with stories. So it really is. It's like, it's a story. And, you, and it's helpful to have people who will pull you out of it. And say, That's right. Yeah. Show me the facts. Where is it a fact that that kid in the mall never showed up because you were the wrong person or something? Right. Right. Exactly. What is the most exciting thing or surprising thing that's happened to you in the last three months? The most exciting thing was just a call the other day, um, two days ago, that referral from that advisory board member um, turned into a, a, a gig in Las, Las Vegas. And who doesn't love to go to Las Vegas? I've been 20 times. I'm happy to go to my 21st time. And uh, Las Vegas is fun. We'll be at the Red Rock. And the last time I was there, I won the poker tournament. So I have zero complaints about this one. This is a good time. I'll be looking for you at the... At the, um, at, at the Red Rock. Yeah. Yeah. Watch yeah. this guy. Yeah, that's right. They might have me worked on the table. Yeah. So um, what's up for you with your 24? Do you, I'm really kind of, I track and think about when you set a very concrete goal like that. Mm -hmm. um, And then you say you kind of don't hold yourself to measuring it. How have you- Oh, I'm measuring this one. (laughs) I don't know why, but this morning I wrote down all the measurements. Like, you know, I'm like doing the math in my head. Okay, that's 24 in the year. So that's- four quarters. That's six a quarter. That's two a month. Yeah. And Q1 is already halfway there. Awesome. I'm excited about it. I'm using you as a poster child because I'm working with this team. You better get a wide poster. No. (laughs) You're so funny. I'm working with a team who's actually has some metrics for themselves and it's challenging, right? Because you set it and then you back into it and it is to hold yourself to looking at it. I mean, it's just information. You're either getting there or you're not. And if the tactics are getting you there, that's great. And if they're not, adjust. And it's all like made up anyway. (laughs) The goals are like completely made up. I mean, yeah, they're supposed to be based off of last year, right? And then, but you're you're like all of a sudden on January 1, everybody in society is Nostradamus. 
Like, how does that even work? Like we couldn't predict last year's revenue, but we think we're going to predict this year's revenue. I mean, it just doesn't. These guys actually were very precise in their prediction. They had data. They said, what can we do better than that? So, uh-huh. And then, but you know, it's that whole thing. Like you can't make it too easy. Cause what's the point? You're just doing more of the same. Yeah. So then it's a stretch goal. Oh, it's a stretch. They're awesome. But that's why I want to know. So how are you yeah. tracking yours? So, yeah, so my, my numbers are fairly simple, but I need to break out those numbers, right? So it's two gigs a month on average. And then I have to say, okay, well, how many reach outs do we have to do in order to land two gigs? And then how does that break down by the week? I think the hundred a week is good because that's gotten me to where I am now. But I think it's what's missing to be perfectly honest with you is the relationship stuff that I'm the, so I'm the guy, right? But I don't always do it. Like I'm like everybody else. So I have habits and things. I get shiny objects and I'm like, oh, look, that social media thing. But we don't get, speakers don't get gigs from social media, you know? So it's not a good use of time. It is a good use for relationship building because you can find out a lot about people and uh, pay attention to what they're posting. And then, and then you can reach out and build relationships. I have a really cool, good tool that I would recommend. Somebody is completely free. It's called HARO, H-A-R-O. It is an email list, and HARO stands for Help a Reporter Out. And it's a well-known website. You go there, you sign up, you get three emails a day. It can be incessant, but here's here's where you want to use this. So what what HARO is, is the ability for you to get free press, right? To get written up in articles and all that type of stuff for your industry. But you don't, I'm not suggesting you do it for you. Because there's like 65 requests that they need in every email. And so they need a massage therapist to talk about the benefits of getting a massage after running a marathon, right? It might be specific. And you know, massage therapist who wants press. So you copy that out of the email and you shoot it to them and tell them it's urgent. The deadline's tonight or tomorrow. Reply to this email address, give them your information. And if they accept you, you, you'll be in the press. People love this stuff. And they eat it up. And so almost, I wouldn't say every email, but at least once a day, I'm sending out things like that to my connections. And what am I doing? I'm, I'm, I'm giving, I'm caring about them because if they get written up about their content and their ideas and their expertise, I'm, I'm constantly in their inbox now. And they may, they may actually go sign up for Harrow themselves. There are people... I sent one to somebody the other day who's a LinkedIn expert. And she's like, oh, thanks. I'll check my email inbox for my, for my daily digest. So she's already on the list. But for me, she knows I was thinking about her, right? And trying to help her out. So it's a great little tool that can really give you a reason. As you said, you, you said, how do you stay in touch? How do you remind yourself? This is a good way because if their content is coming up, it gives you a reason to reach out. Yep. That is a really great tip. So I've got one final question. Just okay. one? I have two. I lied. So <laughs> well, the, the, the other one's a throwaway. It's like, really, <laughs> you, if you don't know the answer to the last one, we got troubles. Uh, the first question I'd like to ask you before the last question, the penultimate question, is <laughs> if I were to meet you when you were eight years old and you and, you and I were going back to talk to Doug, Eight-year-old Doug. Who's Doug? I don't know. Matt. Oh. I don't know who Doug is. I just, ah! I just did time. Is that one of your brothers? No. Oh. Uh-oh. 
I just did a time travel. Um, I'm like, I need to know the specifics of who Doug is so I can answer your question. You Hold on one second. Let me get my other personality here. Stand by. Okay. Hello, this is Doug. <laughs> oh my God, you are too funny. Um, so do you do stand-up comic? I do not. I do not. <laughs> but listen, I have to that. tell you, I don't know if I want to publicly put this out there, but I'm going to put this out there because it's fun and I don't do it for the money. Uh, very few people know I do this. So um, I have a pickup truck, like a, a quad cab pickup, a big pickup truck with an extra seat in the back. I drive it for Uber and Lyft, right? So that I can practice my comedy and my improv because that makes me a better speaker. It's so much fun. Well, the pay is horrible, but I don't do it for the money, right? I do it for the, the, the interaction. It's yeah. so much fun. And people are so interesting. Guys, if you want to transition, transition into that. Like, it, it's so good. And there's very little risk. I mean, I don't know what the risks are. I'm not an insurance agent, but it's just fun. You know, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. So, so a nice way to try and get me off my question. My question <laughs> is if we So were... Doug was a passenger the other day. <laughs> no, I have no idea. <laughs> Thanks for the save, Matt. Yeah. Um, so you and I are time traveling back. Yeah. We're going to sit down and, and talk to Matt at eight years old. And what would you share with him about what you know right now that would help oh. him think about or move through the next many years? Well, I'm going to modify that question just a bit, even though you're the questioner. Feel free. Interviewer. When I was 16, my grandfather I had a conversation with him. And he said he, he was a judge for the Social Security Administration in Washington, D.C., and he said, business is all about who you know, not what you know. And I said, no, 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 because when you get in a conversation, if you can't hold the conversation, you don't know what you're talking about, then you're going to look like an idiot. So it's not who you know, it's what you know. And he said, I'm going to tell you one last time. It's who you know, not what you know. Now go off. So I walk off and I literally was like, this old man has no idea how the world works. He's just, he's just old. He doesn't know how new people are coming up. And the word millennial didn't exist then. You know, we think about that with them now, but that's the reality. It's been like this for a very long time. So if we go back to when I was eight, I wish I would have learned that lesson eight years even earlier. I wish I would have applied it because it, it is so, so true. It's who you know that gets you the connections, that gets you the, the knowledge that you, you, the stuff you learn from people you know is just amazing. It's just, I, who needs a degree? I don't need a degree. I can get an MBA in nursing from any one of my nurse friends over a cup of coffee at Starbucks. Like I, I can get it from a doctor. I can get it from a surgeon. Like I don't, I'm not going to be doing it. So I don't need to be trained, but I can get any information I want. If I just ask, or I listen to podcasts like this, it becomes who, you know, you know, who are, as you're listening to podcasts, to the listeners out there, who are you reaching out to? Are you building relationships with Sarah? Are you building relationships with her guests that are on this podcast? I encourage you to do that. People are real. They just don't come on podcasts and talk about information. They're real people. They will respond to your emails, to your tweets, to your Facebook messages and LinkedIn messages. Do it. It's fun. It's fun for me to have prior guests say, hey, this is what happened. Thanks. You know, It's fun. Because yeah. we're all just people out there doing our thing. So my, la my last question, which really is the last question, is... Is this one for Doug, too? 
<laughs> Doug won't know the answer to this. <laughs> okay. Matt, when people want to reach out to you, where should they go? How do they connect with you? What's the best place to find you? In all seriousness. Is that is that why you said I, I would know the answer to that? Yeah, absolutely. So they can go to mattwartspeaks.com. That's the easy way to find me. Uh, and on there, I have a caring assessment to figure out how much, you know, you take it as a self-assessment, it's free. And it, it tells you how much you care. You get a caring score. It tells you how much you care about other people. And uh, yeah, so there's a blog. I, I release a blog every Monday on that. And it's all about customer service and over delivery and, and how to how to get more word of mouth referrals. And and that's where you can find me. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. So yeah, reach out. We'd love to love to have a conversation. As I said, I'm a relationship guy. Let's Let's build a bank account of trust. I like it. I like it a lot. And we'll put links to all of Matt's stuff into the show notes. So if you're driving the car, do not try to text that information into your phone. We'll It'll be on the website. So go ahead and grab it from there. Matt, I want to thank you for taking time. I know you're. Uh, we're in different time zones, so you're. it's later in your day than mine. I hope you have a great rest of today. I'm just really excited to share you with the podcast listeners. I know they're going to love it. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. Both Doug and I greatly appreciate it. <laughs> okay, thanks. Well, that's it for this week's edition of the No Labels, No Limits podcast. We hope you liked what you heard. And if you did, we ask that you go over to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. If you know someone who would enjoy this podcast, please be sure to share. And until next time, have a great week living a no labels, no limits, and no excuses life.